Howdy, y'all. Clean Republic is committed to making a healthier, safer, and more sustainable world for every single human being on the planet. Everyone deserves the opportunity to protect their families, pets, and environment. If you believe that we can build a healthier, safer, cleaner world, then you are the Clean Republic. You and our sponsor, Clean Republic, are better together. Before COVID, Clean Republic had already received an EPA endorsement for their disinfectants and sanitizers for its use against SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, MRSA, and norovirus. When commercial cleaning companies, spas, and high-traffic businesses began asking for medical-grade cleaning products, Clean Republic delivered. If your home or business is looking for a solid, sustainable, hospital-grade, virus-fighting cleaning supply, go to cleanrepublic.com, clean-republic.com, or just Google Clean Republic. All for clean, clean for all. Let's do the podcast. Welcome in, guys. South of Scruffy Podcast. I'm Ben Fields. I'm the host of this podcast. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening in. Got my man, Josh Manis, on the show today. Josh Manis, my guest has a band called Game Night. They're rad. They're awesome. Go to gamenightmusic.com, listen to some of their stuff. It's really great. Josh is an unbelievably kind man, sweet guy, and I loved catching up with uh, an old old friend like him, my man, Mr. Josh Manis. We're doing the podcast. I love beer in the Fieldhouse. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't like it. That's where I, it was so close to Curry's house. Yeah, oh yeah. And uh, they had the hockey package before anybody else, so ah. we'd go up there and watch hockey games. Yeah. We ended up getting the hockey package at our place, but yeah, I ran into Will right there, and um, we we're like, oh, it's you, oh, it's you, cool. And we, You guys had played together before? We had seen each other around for years, because we've yeah. both been playing music in Knoxville since the early 2000s, and... He, uh, we started talking, talking football, and then I realized what a Tennessee fan he was. Yeah. And, you know, and we were just talking about old games from the 80s and 90s. The and, heyday. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and we hung out there for like eight hours. And at the end of it, maybe six, whatever, it was a long time. And at the end of it, we were like, why have we not ever hung out before? I know. Like, what, I know. what were we doing? Yeah. That's that, ha- that would happen when Will came over and did the podcast. He was mm. one of the early guests. And, uh, we we talked on the podcast about his music for you know an hour and a half, and then we sat in my so driveway to talk about oh heck his, yeah his dude. music career man yeah, Ooh. and then we ended up standing in my driveway and talking about UT football for another <laughs> hour and a half or two hours after that, and uh, that we had the same thing. It was like yeah. it was like why have we not talked? Why why are we not friends? <laughs> and now we are. We you know we <clears throat> yeah. te- text about you know football stuff. We had a little bromance going there for a little yeah. bit right afterwards. <laughs> I was still keep in touch. I'm working with him on a uh, on a TV show right now, a kids TV show. Oh, that's actually awesome. um, a pilot, and he's custom scoring all the music for it. And he he cool. gave us some demos of stuff that he did, and then we, we're in the edit with it right now. But it's going to be a really cool project, and he's really great at at, at scoring, oh, which yeah. is a different like it's a, kind of a different mindset, you know. 
spotting stuff and, yeah. and scoring to what you're seeing on screen. But he's been doing a lot of that lately too. And yeah, I went to um, <clears throat> a premiere that he had, or that I guess a this one film that he worked on. I think it was out of Atlanta. Yeah, they had a premiere for a one of the film festivals in town at Scruffy. Oh yeah, down, Scruffy uh, City Hall. Yeah, and they just showed like a trailer for it and it had, he scored the whole thing and Oh damn. Feature length film. Yeah, I believe so. And, um, <clears throat> I have not seen it or anything, but it was just super exciting for him. And he's done that a lot. I think he, didn't he put out a symphony? Yeah, he was recently. Supposed, it was supposed to be on, I remember it was on, supposed to be on May 1st and he had done the podcast a little bit before that. It's called childhood is the kingdom where nobody dies. And it was with the, it's a great uh, name. yeah. And it was with, I think the scruffy city orchestra and they had the room at uh, at uh, Sacred Heart Cathedral. You oh, can do wow. it in the I think in the in the big in the big cathedral there. I've seen the dome from, oh, from the outside. Crazy, it's huge. Catholic Church spent a lot of money on that place. They they do spend a lot of money. Yeah, but <laughs> but that that project got coroned. Never happened, which is a Damn. bummer. Yeah. It's not going to happen in the future. I don't Just... know if it is or not. We should we should reach out and talk to him. Yeah, and see. Um, well, dude, what have you been? What have you been? working on and doing since touring gigging you know is not a thing as much right now yeah we i can't remember the last show we played i guess it was in february or march yeah. or something like that but man i when the whole shutdown happened i kind of told myself i'm gonna be super productive and i'm gonna write it write an album because i hadn't really been writing a lot for game night but i have been working over the past year or so on recording my one of my other bands and they're called Meob and uh, okay. I played drums in that band and also just do all the engineering and oh, cool. producing and all that but we track it at um, our home studio okay. I was telling you about a little earlier but um, yeah just all tracked there all self done cool but so we've we've still been working on that Meob has when we can all of our work schedules are kind of different now because of everything, yeah. but um, yeah, it's odd not playing shows and all that. Like we weren't really touring a lot over the past few years, but game night or Meob or both. Yeah, either one. Yeah. Like um, yeah, every now and then doing like a weekend out of town thing yeah. or something. <clears throat> but but yeah, it. I've just been trying to focus on writing, but I haven't been as productive writing as I once was. Yeah, I think that's just the stage I'm at in life anyway. Right now, I'm just in one of those creative lulls, but yeah, that's a tough time to, it's a tough, I mean, you, you need, you need to draw inspiration from somewhere. And it feels like when, when there's weirdness going on and everything seems to be turned on its ear, like it, it kind of, it kind of shifts the process a little bit or shifts the paradigm and you're in a different, different headspace and a place that you're not kind of used to creating in. Yeah. And there's a whole other, you know, there's a new mindset that has to, prevail yeah um i mean even i know with with our stuff like with our film stuff and and all these projects that we have going on like we were so worried with our production company about you know just taking care of the clients we had and 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 making sure that we were going to come out on the other side of covid so well like we didn't really we i'm not going to say we didn't take advantage of the spare time that we had where a bunch of our shoots canceled but like we still had you know trouble finding some creative some footing you know and yeah. and, and kind of working on some of those projects we did get some some cool stuff done in the meantime but i understand that <clears throat> i understand that well, mentality 
I've always been one to, I've been writing songs for you know, 18 years probably. Yeah. And it's always helped me to manufacture a deadline for myself. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you're a, you're a deadlines oriented yeah, kind of person. I'm a procrastinating yeah. kind of don't study for a test kind of person and yeah. just like wait to the last minute. But it just helps me to have a deadline for even like a little minute thing. Like I'd love to have this new song that I've been working on done for this show just to play it or, right. you know, yeah. um, or I would like to tour or not really some more in our younger days. We used to tour a lot more, um, did like a nationwide one at one point that was awesome and hard and <laughs> financially was right down the middle, like, you know, basically broke even, but yeah, <clears throat> but it was a lot of fun yeah. DIY kind of thing. But even if it's just like, yeah, just, I, I would like to have an album done by this time of year because it would be fun to play some shows right. in the Southeast in the fall next year, right. whatever. To so, support, support an album, tour and support an album. Yeah. And yeah. without, without a deadline of, I think that's really thwarted my creativity. Really? Yeah. Not, I'm, not having, not having a hard stop. Yeah. Yeah. I'm stumped. I get that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still been doing some stuff. And like I said, working on the Miob album slowly, but surely, but we're, we're tracking like backup vocals now. So all the core stuff is done. We're just cool. throwing in the ancillary yeah. stuff that's going to, you know, put a bow on it. Yeah. But. I don't know if you know the, the guy who produces this show, um, Sam Thomas is his name. Go back and if, if you get a chance, listen to his podcast uh, that, uh, when he was a guest on this show. Yeah. But he, he produces it now, and he's amazing. And he's an amazing engineer. He's working on some stuff with Chris Blue right now. And he's just he's he's won four Grammys for engineering, two for Good Mary grief. J. Blige, and two for um, NDIRE. He's from Atlanta. Golly. Yeah, or lived, engineered in Atlanta for 20 years. He's back. Wow. He's here and... Wouldn't Has he done work with Matt Honkinen too? Yeah, he and yeah. Matt are are doing Chris's stuff. Yeah, I knew right that. I've now. seen some uh, some of Matt's posts with like yeah. remote recordings with yeah, uh, Sam, Chris Blue and other yeah. people. Yeah, Sam's on those. Ben Maney. Cool. He's been on a couple of those. Chris has been on the show too. So is Matt Honkinen. Dad yeah, They're they're both they're both friends of the show. There's a <clears throat> Matt. Matt did the theme music. It's a lot more. Yeah, I heard that on. Uh, the uh, the Josh Slay episode. Yeah, um, I told Matt Honkin and I'd give him a shout out at the end of every episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's the theme songwriter, so you gotta gotta give him cred. But uh, Matt's a great guy too, man. Um, he's great. Have you uh, have you uh, checked out Peak Physique? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Game nights played with them. I'm a sure couple times. Yeah, but have you have you guys supported each other before or played the same or just like festival stuff? Yeah. Um, let's see. They played a show around Halloween. I feel like I can't remember which year that was a few years back. Yeah. And, um, yeah, this one guy who's got a lot of traction too, uh, named Briston Maroney. Uh-huh. He played, I think he's out of Nashville now, but he's from Knoxville, I believe, but it was peak physique game night and him. It was just an awesome show. And we all, our band took the ha- near Halloween, time to as an excuse to dress up i think i dressed up as marilyn manson oh nice which was fun we didn't you know i think we did play a bit of a marilyn manson song but not that he's like an influence or anything but (laughs) (laughs) i was like dude halloween i'm just gonna be as wacky as possible yeah but um 
So yeah, we've played a couple shows together, and they're, they're a great band. Really fun to watch live. And mm-hmm. they got the all the lights going, and the whole aesthetic is just top notch. Yeah, it's we're uh, we're working on a music video for them right now. Sick. Yeah, that's awesome. It's gonna be really cool. We've got the concept kind of. We've got the concept roughed in, and we're 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 elaborating on or collaborating, trying to elaborate on it right now. <laughs> and uh, man, they're great guys to uh, they're great guys to get creative with because they yeah. they 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 get excited about stuff and and they have these out there you know ideas. And mm-hmm. This this video that we that we're gonna make for them this this year. Hopefully, I'm hoping it can come out in the fall. Uh, but we're in we're writing the we're we're writing it right now. It's, man, that's sick. super cool. It's gonna be cool. Um, well, so did, did you grow up in Knoxville? I did. Yeah, I grew up in South Knoxville. Boom. Three South Knoxville people in a row. <laughs> Josh Lay, Jenny Andrews, Josh Manis. Yep. All went to uh, South Doyle. They were um, a couple classes ahead of me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like I've told you before, Josh Lay and I grew up on the same street. Cool. And like, you know, we're always watching UT football games as kids. Yeah. Playing football in the yard. I think in his episode, he referenced James Littleman Stewart. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I had like <laughs> a Tennessee jersey that a family member had got me that said like Little Man on the back. Oh, I like love that. it. Yeah, he was uh, he was our idol. But, yeah, um, over the t- Little Man over the top oh, from yeah, the two-yard line. Every time, dude. <laughs> count on it. It's unstoppable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, grew up in South Knoxville. Um, then went to Murfreesboro for a little bit to uh, finish up college. Oh, cool. And then was going to try, I went to school for music business, but like every aspect of it that I was learning about just made me want to just play and not work in it. Really? Like even, yeah, more and more. I just, every class I would take, I was like, "Ah, this isn't really what I want to do. Yeah, I get that. I'd rather write and play. And then just, I got done with school and then, just kind of wanted to be on the performing slash yeah. like, and then it ended up turning into me uh, learning how to record. And I'm not like the best engineer or anything, but I love recording at home. So it just kind of led me, it taught me enough about something to show me that I didn't want to make a living in that side of the sure. industry. You know, Wes Bailey from Moon Taxi? No, I do not know. I've seen them play before, yeah. but I do, I don't know. Him. He was on the show, and he and he did the same thing. He was music music business kind of music <clears throat> business guy at Belmont. Okay, and I don't it know. Was the nicer of the two, but <laughs> <laughs> so the nicer of the two schools in yes, that area. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, was it? Did did you always want to perform? And it and then music business was kind of like, well, I have to be an adult about this. And yeah, I just wanted to go to college for something. Yeah, and something that it, it interested you, obviously. Yeah, and, and I was gonna do um, the recording industry program at MTSU had like the production side and then the music business side. And yeah, I had you know ta- I thought about doing the production side, but then I had recorded in enough studios at that point to be to kind of think. I can figure out how to do this on my own. Like, I don't want to pay to do, to go to school for this. I just, I kind of just had confidence that I would figure out how to record sure. music eventually, yeah. you know, which I did and still am learning a lot about, yeah. you know, every, every time I fire up Pro Tools, I learning something else sure. or figuring out something else to do or, you know. Yeah. So growing up, was music a thing or was sports a thing or like... Yeah, you have brothers and sisters growing up and all that. Yeah, um, yeah. 
two brothers, one of which was 18 when I was born. So, oh, wow. Um, so he's yeah, from, a bit older. Yeah, a bit older. So kind of like more like an uncle yeah. figure when I was a kid, yeah, yeah. you know, but super great, great guy. was always, you know, great to me and my other brother who was two years older than me. So okay. we, we so really grew young, up together. You were the young guy. I was the youngest. And, yep. And, and, and you and your, you and your old middle brother were mm. closer, more of a, more of a, uh, more of a brother model. More of a, yeah. <laughs> traditional brother age gap. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Sports were definitely always a thing. I was trying to play as many sports as I could yeah. and then like got into inline skating for oh, a yeah. while. I did too. But, yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah, but I was just I was too much of a pansy. Of I was too much of a pansy to be a skateboarder. They it was I don't know I just couldn't do that. I snowboarded hard. snowboarded a little bit, but yeah. that was easier to me than ah, I just sucked at skateboarding. Yeah, but, me too. But yeah. rollerblading was fun, dude. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. dude, three sixties and five forties and misty flips and <laughs> and we played. We had like a little neighborhood hockey league that we started oh, nice with josh lay oh cool yeah it was our team we grew up on a road called gateway lane and so our team was the gateway stars and mom made oh, us nice. some uh little blue jerseys with white acrylic paint that was like the it had numbers on them oh and all nice that. so we were a team and we played two other neighborhood teams okay and we would just like to go to the other neighborhoods we would hold the goals on top of the top of mom's car like yeah. outside of the windows yeah because you know? we, we didn't strap them down or anything we just held them and she went slow yeah you didn't have to go but, far yeah it's it just a you know mile or two so you over. had to bring your own goal to the yeah uh, byogs yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly did you make it a little bigger for <laughs> <laughs> we made theirs bigger yeah um that way we yeah anyway um but yeah so i guess that's what i was like oh just inline skate because i'm in middle school now and yeah. listening to nirvana and yeah. Wearing Jinkos. Oh, Jinkos yeah. are great. Man, my Jinkos <laughs> covered up my whole rollerblades. My K2 fatties, that, you couldn't even see. That them. was the goal. I had K2 fatties as well. Yeah. Or K2 something else. I think Backyards. it was. Backyards. I can't remember the model now. Yeah. God, that was a long time ago. But um, yeah, the goal was to cover up your shoe or your yeah. skate or whatever. Can't which, even see them. Yeah, then you, know, you get caught in the wheels and it's oh, never. Yeah. Down never you go. <laughs> yeah. Did you have both parents around growing up? Um, they divorced, they separated when I was four, Okay. divorced like finally when I was six, but definitely were both part of my life. Cool. I lived, my brother and I lived with mom and she, the sacrifices she made for us was unbelievable. Like okay. working at night yeah. so that she could be home with us during the day and then working another job while we were in school. And Man. it was insane. <clears throat> she ended up going back to school when I was in college and getting her degree and like ended up like making awesome money and all the Good years of hard work paid off her. for her. And yeah, and my dad lived, he's always lived in town too. Um, and so he was, you know, a great dad, always there for Good. us as well. It just, it kind of was one of those things like when I got older, it never bothered me as much. Um, is it, I don't know. It, their split didn't bother me too much because it seemed like, both were better off for yeah. it, you know? And yeah. even from a young age, like seven years old or something, I saw the benefit in them not being together because they were able to blossom separately. They just weren't going to blossom together in yeah. my opinion. But, and I think, I think they would both agree with that. So it's just how things go sometimes, you know? No doubt. It's sometimes, you know, Hey, if it's better for all parties involved, go for it. Absolutely. You yeah. know, no reason to make yourself 
and everyone around you miserable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. You know, we all have, <clears throat> I don't have any kids personally, but we all, you have one, two, two, two kids. kids, two girls. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. But, uh, it's just, I, I know people that everybody struggles in relationships and life and marriage and being single or whatever, but I feel like sometimes just staying together for the kids might not be the best thing to do, you know, and it might be in some situations. It's different with everybody, but the way I see it is if, if my relationship, my marriage with my wife isn't strong then no other relationship I have or she has with our kids or with our family is going to be strong too. Like that's the foundation. That's the basis. Yeah. That's what we work the hardest on. Yeah. Is that, that, uh, just to make sure that everything else, that's the foundation. That's the base. Mm -hmm. Make sure everything else runs smoothly beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so music growing up after, uh, after playing hockey, when did you pick up a guitar for the first time? Picked up, well, I guess it was in seventh grade. My brother was in eighth grade and I got a drum set for Christmas and he got a guitar. What kind of drum set? It was actually a really nice set that my mom's like high school friend had and his his son had played drums, and this was like their old set. But we thought it was a piece of crap at first, but mm-hmm. it, ended up, it ended up being a Slingerland set, which is really nice. Is it? Yeah, it's um. This was it was from, I think it was a bicentennial model. It was like red, white, and blue. So it was from oh, like seventy cool. six. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty pretty dope. But yeah. we um we didn't really know how to make it sound good or anything mm. at that time. But yeah, I originally wanted to play drums, and Brandon who um is my brother and also plays with me in the band game night. Uh, he wanted to play guitar. So we started on those and we just eventually I would play guitar some too, just because yeah. we had them both there. Sure. And just eventually within about a year, I just started kind of excelling at guitar and he started, started excelling at drums. So oh, cool. it's kind of a natural, natural trade off. So yeah. I focused on guitar a lot more at that point, but yeah, just, Kind of playing Metallica songs and heck yeah, dude! I remember playing like Metallica's so rad. It, it that was <laughs> it was so fun to learn those songs on guitar because you'd have kind of the simple parts in the verse and then a kind of easier solo to start and then you have to be like finger tapping for the like yeah. climactic solo. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, there were times when I would like kind of fake sick and stay home and play Zelda Ocarina of Time. Oh yeah. And then like take breaks to play Metallica songs. Yeah. <laughs> but uh I think uh Metallica and Van Halen are two of those bands that like people just they hear the radio stuff and they're like, Okay, I get it. But then you dig deeper into their stuff and both those bands will surprise you. Oh yeah. <laughs> and yeah, when when you're trying to learn a, an instrument that especially guitar, because you know, pretty much every band has a guitar in it. Um like you you're kind of drawn to songs that sound like you you would be able to play them at first like i feel like that's why all middle schoolers love nirvana because like you can play those songs yeah like they are intricate at times but you can kind of get get by like looking up some tabs and playing just the simple verse part you're like oh i can play a song that makes me feel good yeah man i sound as good as kurt cobain (laughs) come as you are it's just like two strings two frets there you go yeah <laughs> was smoke on the water the first song you learned how to play on the guitar <laughs> it was one of the first absolutely <laughs> and then i would get that confused with uh 
Cat Scratch Fever. It's kind oh, of the yeah. same progression. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Ted Nugent. Oh, yeah. Great man. <laughs> <laughs> Love me some Ted. Yeah. He stands for all the same things I do. <laughs> he actually uh, sold me my first gun, so... <laughs> So uh, when did when did music kind of I mean was it was it high school was it college when you kind of realized like oh I'm definitely excelling at this I could I could I should really I mean, it's fun maybe I could kind of do it was it after the music business thing at MTSU or was no it- um that really was kind of the after college <clears throat> and had to start like you know earning trying to earn money and yeah. pay bills that's almost when the music dream died as far as like ah. making a career out of playing music. You right. know? But, um, yeah, early on, like in high school, just freshman year, we wanted to play kind of goes back to that deadline thing. We, the talent show was happening. Oh, we yeah. wanted to play the talent show. None of us could sing or at least had the confidence to sing. So we got this guy named Chris Hill to, we worked up a local H song. I don't know if you ever listened to uh-uh. local H. They were a cool band out of Chicago. Um, which with which we ended up playing years later at the well. <laughs> you played with them? Yeah, we played oh, a show awesome. with them at the well before the well closed down. What but, what was that like playing with like one of your musical heroes? It was cool. We we've had a couple situations like that. Oh, that's cool. And it's always a little nerve wracking, but also a great experience. Like, yeah. it's not like you made it because you played with one of your musical heroes or whatever, but it still feels it's. A nice validation. Sure. And just kind of thrilling. Like looking back to, we covered this song my freshman year in a high school talent show. Yeah. But yeah, so we, we would do the talent show every year. I think we played Say It Ain't So by Weezer my sophomore year. And then. They've got Knoxville ties. They do. Yeah. Bell, Brian Bell, was he the, the guitar player? Is that right? I think so. Yeah. I think it went to Bearden maybe. Ah, Um, okay. But. Yeah, so we uh, eventually started playing more and more. Like we started out just wanting to play these talent shows yeah. just once a year, and then I just got, got a year to, to get ready yeah. for, the, for the next talent show <laughs> and be nervous as hell. Yeah. You know, playing in front of the whole school. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, it just kind of naturally progressed to this person's having a party and they want a band to play. Yeah. Let's They've get some songs. Yeah, let's get some songs together. It. Yeah. Um, so we ended up, <clears throat> we had that band, the early band with, uh, Jonathan Keeney, one yeah. of our mutual friends. He played guitar with us too. Love me some Keeney. What and was he, the name of that band? Um, we didn't have a name. So at That's first, some hipster shit right yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> no name, man. Name yeah. it yourself. Yeah. No, um, someone put, uh, for this one show we were going to play at a house, they made a flyer for it. And because we didn't have a name, they put still searching, like as in ah, we were still yeah. searching for a name. So we ended yeah. up just adopting that as our name for like the two or three shows we played maybe. Yeah. But, Who um, all was in that band? That was myself, Brandon, my brother, uh, Jonathan Keeney, and our friend, I think it that was still our friend Eric White playing bass. Okay. I don't even know where he is now. I think he's out on the West Coast somewhere. Yeah. But, um, he had this little, I remember it was a rogue bass, which I think was a guitar yeah. center brand. Yeah, but yeah. 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 It, we, we did what we could. We just covered like, we had maybe two original songs and covered like a Deftone song yeah. and an Incubus song and some other stuff. 
I, I may have told this story on the podcast before. I can't remember, but I met, and I, I know I told you this story, but I met Jonathan Keeney when I was living in LA and he was living in Paso Robles and we had, which is like mid state kind of, mm-hmm. uh, LA kind of between LA and San Francisco kind of near the coast San Luis yeah. Obispo is kind of the biggest kind of city that everybody knows but I met him in it was probably 2004 2005 um we were running chasing string cheese around the west coast going to see some string cheese shows and hanging out and Keeney had a mandolin with him and he was and he was playing and did you he know, have his dreads then yeah nice. he had his dreads <laughs> and uh he was delivering pizzas and uh, we were, you know, we were just running up and down the West Coast all summer going to string cheese shows, you know, hopping in the van together. And, you know, I really got to know him pretty well over that summer. Yeah. But he was just picking up. He was just picking up music. He was just picking up the mandolin. He was just picking up yeah. guitar and kind of picking around. And then, you know, next thing I know, he's going to school for it. Didn't he go to UT? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he did the music program there. Yeah. And then he's like an amazing guitar player after a, f- a few years. And yeah. That dude, man, he like what he lettered in like five varsity sports or something like that. Somebody, yeah, he's just he's good at everything. He's just one of those dudes that uh, is, you know, the best player on our indoor soccer team. You know, yeah. a scratch golfer plays the pedal steel like <laughs> a son of a bitch. It's just like what, what? He even like the the club hockey team at UT. He had been out west, I think, and came back for a little bit, and uh, I think it was when Scotty Hot Sauce Holzman, the uh, UFC fighter yeah. now, I think he was playing on that team, and they just reached out to Jonathan. They were like, hey, well, we need a player for tonight. And yeah. he just went and played a freaking club college. I mean, you know, it's not super high level, but yeah. pretty high level. He hadn't played hockey in probably two or three years. Yeah. And then, yeah, just played in a hockey game. And yeah, and he was did, probably I'm sure he, sure he played great. Yeah. yeah. I played yeah. some indoor soccer with him, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're good at this too. Hmm. Yeah. I figured <laughs> every, yeah. Every single thing he's ever touched. He's very yeah. good at, but we did like, we kind of learned guitar together. Um, not like exactly parallel, but we were definitely both playing kind of in middle school and high school. Yeah. Um, not him, not too seriously yet. I don't think, but, um, but yeah, he, we were kind of learning the same types of stuff and then we ended up playing like completely different types of music. Yeah as the years went along, but he really, once he went to UT, he like, golly, just insanely, he was always really good, but it just went to a whole different level. But that's amazing. So, so still searching had, you know, three, three, uh, earth shattering concerts. Yeah. (laughs) Never got a following going. Oh no, not really. We just, um, yeah, played a couple houses, but after that, um, this band asked Brandon, my brother, to play drums. Uh-huh. And that's really when he solidified the drum roll and I solidified the guitar roll. Uh-huh. And I had been, I think that was my junior year of high school. He was a senior. And so they got him to play drums. And they were playing like just around town, mm-hmm. um, at whatever venues there were at that time. And they played one show at Celebration Station, which was like... <laughs> badass i went and just next like to the rode, batting cages go, or uh i wish it was in the batting cages yeah. but no it was somewhere it was kind of by the track it, it was outside yeah it was outside and most of their shows seemed like they were outside like i went with them what was the name of that band that band was called match point okay i guess they were tennis fans but uh <laughs> but yeah they uh they were playing shows like a lot 
like, you know, not, they would go up, they played a few shows in Kentucky. I went with them up to London, London, Kentucky to play at this, uh, like Christian college that mm. seemed haunted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It was, I think we, I don't know if we stayed up there or what, but I wasn't in the band yet, but that year I, I kind of stopped, I was running cross country and track and I think I'd already quit playing baseball and I'd basically like, I stopped all sports for a year just to like, I just kind of wanted to play guitar and start yeah. writing. Still in high school? Still in high school. Yeah. It was my junior year of high school. And your brother was already kind of touring? He was a senior. Was... Well, they were just playing around town yeah. pretty okay. much. Not, not really touring or anything, but, um, just, they would do like a little show out of town or, yeah. or like play out of town in Clinton or something. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. That, but it was always like at that age, if you played a show, there were a bunch of people there cause no one had anything else to do. Like, yeah. Just a bunch of kids that were like, Oh, there's music. They sound like Blink-182. All right, cool. <laughs> and so, yeah. But, uh, so I just started like focusing on writing and that's when I really started to learn how to write songs. Uh, lyrics or, or melodies or what? A little of both. Yeah. Mainly guitar stuff. And then I was trying to learn how to form a song and arrange mm -hmm. it. And I kind of drew a lot from chorus class. Like I was in chorus all through high school. Yeah. So I would take Learned what I... to read music probably? Yeah, um, sight read, like not yeah. read. Sight reading is hard. Yeah, I'm not like super good at reading music. I yeah. can, uh, yeah, I can a little bit, but uh, I was better back back in the day when mm -hmm. I was like actively reading. It's like yeah. I've kind of not used a language in a while, so yeah, but... You lose it. You lose it, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it just made me want to write songs. I just kind of had a had an urge I was, had a passion to write music at that point and then they ended up um asking one of the guitar players to not be in their band anymore <laughs> and then because they that's would a like tough, that's a tough call to make as a senior in yeah. high school sensitive <laughs> you know well they would come home or like come over to my mom's house and would hear me playing and they're like oh I guess they liked what they heard oh but yeah. um yeah, they ended up like asking him to politely exit, and then, um, then that's when I joined my first actual band. Cool, Match but Point. That one, we when I joined the band, we rebranded, yeah, <laughs> and became yeah we became Rockwell. Okay. Yeah, so that was like my senior high school, senior year of high school band. Gotcha. But, <laughs> I'm thinking Match Point. Game night, Rockwell. There's just, there's just kind of, there's <laughs> a little two syllable action. There was in between Rockwell and Game Night, we had a band called Capulet, and oh. we uh, that was yeah. After Rockwell ended, that was like summer after high school, and it ended for whatever reason. And uh, then we started a band called Capulet with Chris Hill, who I mentioned earlier, that sang for us in our yeah. first talent show. And at that point, we actually like started playing out of town and like cool. touring some. And were you in college at the time? That was my freshman, well, summer before freshman year of college. Yeah. So yeah, the best time of your life. Best time, yeah. No, no responsibilities. <laughs> I broke my toe that summer. Playing, oh, nice. Playing football on the beach. Oh, yeah. Were you guys on tour at the time? No, I was just on my senior trip. Yeah. <laughs> broke my damn toe and like couldn't play volleyball all summer. It was oh. it was rough. I bet you were a good setter. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. at my resounding height of 5'4", or whatever I am, 
I definitely set a lot. I set a lot yeah. of balls. <laughs> yeah. I played volleyball in, in middle school. Oh, yeah. We, I was on a middle school volleyball team as well. It was We may have fun. played against each other. What year did you graduate? South Doyle High School. Or, uh, we did a tournament at South Doyle. Oh. Um, what year did I graduate from? High school, 2003? Okay, yeah. So we're the same year. Are we? Yep. I bet we played some volleyball against each other. We, where'd you go to middle school? Farragut. Okay, I guarantee we did. Yeah. Remember Powell was really good for some reason. Powell was just really good at volleyball. I just remember we like cobbled a team together like the last minute <laughs> to go play some tournament. Yeah. I think it was literally just one tournament and yeah. that was like the season. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. yeah. We definitely played played we, each other. Uh, we had to. You, you were probably on the team that broke our hearts. The South Doyle uh, <laughs> Cherokees team that broke our hearts. I think we won it. But I can't remember. I'm sure you did. You got you got over the <laughs> you got you got over the the uh, overprivileged white kids from Farragut, and you're well on your way. Yeah, we had that that South Knoxville uh, that animosity, grit, grit yeah, that grind. <laughs> <laughs> we'll show these kids that are our age; <laughs> they're not better than us. <laughs> uh, so, let's see. UT for how long? Um, I actually went to Pellissippi, which oh, okay. is funny. In Josh's episode, I heard him talking about that. Um, yeah, I went to Pellissippi for a couple of years and then went to MTSU and finished out, gotcha. finished up there. Pellissippi's cool, man. It was awesome. Did yeah. you enjoy it? I did. Did you do any engineering stuff over there? No, I didn't. They that I don't think they had that at that time. Hmm. If they did, I didn't know about it. Gotcha. But yeah, I just went there just to get the you know prerequisites out of the way and all that. Before. I think a lot of people are doing that now that it's, I mean, it's free, right? I think Don't you so. get two years of community college for free now? I believe so, yeah. Which is pretty awesome if you're, you know, Dude. fiscally minded. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no reason to go through the same curriculum. Of course, it's going to be a little different, but sure. yeah, might as well save some money and then actually study a, speci- a specific field. Right, you know? and you can, if you're, if you're, you know, technically bent somehow, or if you kind of move that direction, then you've got, you know hours that you can take and go ahead and start digging into something that you're really interested in oh, yeah. Pellissippi that would be outside of your major at UT if you were, you know, yeah. going there. I know some people that did some video stuff at Pellissippi back in the day that ended up working in video and yeah. stuff. So like, I think they had a pretty good video program there. Yeah. And then uh, I don't think Pellissippi gets enough credit, you know? I mean, I, I was, I was thinking, I was talking to somebody the other day about how like, I don't know, probably half of the guests on this podcast that are, you know, People that I have heard of around town for creating something, whether it's music, art, you know, whatever, they came here because of the University of Tennessee. Yeah. They're from somewhere else. They came here and they never left because Knoxville is such a great place to live. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the university is in a lot of ways providing a lot of uh, like cultural fabric of, of where we live because it's bringing in these artists and these, these folks that are doing cool stuff Yeah, and they're staying around and they're continuing to create and make our, make our art scene better. So we have a lot of, you know, we have that university to thank for a lot of that, Um, but, but Pellissippi doesn't need to go unappreciated either, you know, because they, they do a lot to, they do a lot to get people boned up on the technical side, yeah, and then uh, get them in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. They're good. They're good at that. So when did you start? When did you start game night? Was that after? Um, um, yeah, was that after? Uh, the, yeah, the band. Uh, it was during. Actually, it was right. It was before I went to MTSU. I was still at Pellissippi, and we had done. Um, I guess Capulet was a band from like 03 
summer of 03, right, right after we graduated, till summer of 05. And we put out an album and it kind of, it got a little traction. Um, it was probably the most famous we've ever gotten. And we weren't famous or anything. With but Capulet or Game Night? With Capulet, with Capulet. yeah. <clears throat> and like, I, I just get recognized a lot around or whatever. And our shows were like packed without any promotion at all. So it was, it was pretty awesome. Um, got recognized one time in Illinois just by someone was like, Are you kidding? Hey, you me? were in Capulet. Yeah. That That's was amazing. after Capulet had ended. But yeah, just some random person in a mall. No kidding. But yeah, it was wild. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so we were kind of talking to record labels and stuff, um, you know, back and forth here and there. Not We never ended up coming to a deal <clears throat> with like a huge one or anything. But um, so Capulet kind of, we gained some traction and toured a little bit, um, had great shows, like kind of getting a following. And then we ended... Um, it's kind of some personal life decisions and stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then, so Robbie Kerr had been like, you know, kind of a super fan of ours for a little bit. And he was also, I graduated with Jonathan, his brother, and gotcha. he and I had become really good friends. And so once Capulet ended, we were like, we got to start a new band. And Brandon, my brother, of course, was um, down for that. And uh, so we decided to start game night at that point in 2005 and it's still mm. still kicking but we kind of like we kind of lost some momentum with the name change and stuff and i guess just, and it was really just one new member or we well chris we ended hill up was gone now yeah chris chris hill was gone and uh robbie kerr was in robbie was super in. fan and then at first we um had kayla boaz play bass yeah for us kayla. and yeah we were great friends still still are great friends and yeah don't get to see him as much now, but was he a South Doyle guy? No, he was a Seymour guy. But oh. I had known him since high school. Um, Is he our age too? He's a little older. I think uh, two years older than us, yeah. maybe something like that. But I work with his wife on some HGTV oh, digital awesome. stuff. Yeah, cool, cool. Danielle's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a nice gal for sure. Yeah. Caleb's a good dude too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Caleb played with us for a little bit, and then, um, then he was going to pursue some other things. He kind of, he kind of did us a favor by playing bass for us. Cause we just didn't have a bass player. Yeah. And he was like, dude, I'll play. And like, Oh, awesome. So he helped us on our first album and recorded bass for that. And then he went on to pursue, pursue some other things and, um, other musical things. And also, uh, he was kind of like finishing up school and everything as mm. well. So we added our other good pal, uh, Matthew Presley. Mm. Um, and yeah, just, kind of seamlessly transitioned bass players. And Matt was in the studio with us a lot when we recorded our first album. And that was back in yeah, 2006 when we recorded that. But um, then we've had the same lineup since then. So long so last time. So 14 years with the same lineup. Yep. That's pretty crazy, man. Mm -hmm. How many records have you guys pressed? Um, we have, we've put out five releases. Hmm. A couple were EPs. Um, yeah. I think I feel like I've been a part of like maybe since that first band I was talking about Rockwell. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like we've put out like 10 releases in 17 years, something wow. like that. But yeah. Game Night's put out five and the last one was the first one we actually put out on vinyl 
But uh, is that this one that you gave me when you yeah, got here? Yeah, that's our last one. It came Bud out. Drew? Bud Drew. It came out in 2018. And this like, is great, man. For the longest time, Can't wait we to were spin it, but I kind of don't want to take it out of the. I'll give you another one if you want to. Have can a, I can I buy one? Can I can I like support you guys and <laughs> you and then, absolutely and then may like like hang you know just set one up there and let it be some sure some art put it up next to the bourbon up there <laughs> and then and then I'll listen to the other one in the house. Yeah. I really absolutely. dig your guys' stuff, man. It's really great. Thanks, man. How do you uh, how did you guys land on like a a sound? Was it was it uh, was it legacy Capulet? kind of stuff or did you guys come up with a new like vibe it, um, for game night? It kind of naturally took from that and then went in some different directions. Um, How would you describe it? Um, well, it's changed a lot since those days. I think um, the first game night stuff was uh, a little bit, a little bit more mathy and a little bit more incoherent. So, like, so technical ab- yeah. above like, story yeah it would get like a little too technical in my opinion Mm. um and that's another reason why i think it we lost a little momentum honestly but um it's still it was like fun stuff to play like the guitar stuff was fun and we were just like look 13 8 time signature did you know that existed i was 21 and just like wanting to play cool shit you know yeah but um yeah so it was fun stuff to play but then as the years went along i wanted to marry that with stuff that people could Bob to a little bit more, yeah. you know, stuff that's um, a little more accessible. Yeah. W- yeah. While also being interesting. So yeah. I think it was a natural progression of like wanting to put in stuff that put in aspects into songs that keep me interested personally, mm-hmm. while also trying to capture an audience of people that don't necessarily care about the fact that that part was in five, four for like three measures or something, sure. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but while it can still kind of like mask that while it's still there, it's like a little gym for me, but it also like sound, you can still bob your head to it. And yeah. And also I wanted to like, I don't know, write better melodies and better lyrics. So I think naturally it just, in my opinion, hopefully got better. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I always wonder like, and I, I, I almost call I like, I call it like the, the hollow notes effect to where it's like, you know, 30 hollow notes songs. You just don't know that, you know, them because you've never noticed that you've been listening to them. Yeah. Like they've yeah. just been playing and you've been bobbing your head and like, you know, oh, dan- yeah. dancing to them or whatever. It's like, <laughs> Oh wait, that's hollow notes. Or so was that, was that one of those things that you, that you wanted stuff that people could kind of, uh, I don't know, uptake without being, without having to intently be engaged in the, in the process, actively yeah. listening in a way, but like, I think there's an aspect of uh, there's an aspect of my writing that I want people to actively listen, but it's uh, also I don't know. It's not that uh, you can't blame people for not wanting to actively listen to something. Like sure, you know, nowadays people listen to thirty seconds of a song and yeah. skip it because you yeah. can, and yeah. you've got that, a playlist. Yeah. And I don't like that. Yeah, I like to listen to a whole album, and that's yeah. like what I want to create is a mm-hmm. whole album. But you also have to be realistic and realize that not everyone is looking for the same out of it that I'm putting into. Right. You know. And let's be honest, there's nothing more irritating than somebody blasting something you've never heard in a car and like actively trying to get you to listen to it too and, and, Very and true. share their experience. And like it, watching you, like yeah. looking in your eyes like you love this did, too, right? Yeah, you love this you, too. Do you hear that? Did yeah. you hear that little nuance right <laughs> well, there? Well, this one little ooh, it does like 
two pick scratches right there. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Two extra beats. It's so awesome. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, there's such a, I mean, God, music is such a, a broad thing and people get so many different feelings out of it yeah. that you can't get offended if people don't take out of it what you're intending for them to. And yeah. you really can't intend for someone to take something out of it. And I think that's yeah. one place I've grown. Cause like, I, you know, you want to kind of induce a feel with a song, yeah. but also that's an asshole thing of me to be like, to impose feel on this somebody. way. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, and I think that about most kinds of art forms, um, you go to a museum, an art museum, you stare at a painting, like that artist made that to make me feel something. They weren't, you know, I, I don't feel like they were trying to necessarily curate m- my emotions as much as they were just trying to let me, let me take something and internalize it the way that I want to internalize it. Yeah. I think that's, I, I don't know. To me, that is a good that's a good standpoint or that's a good like ethos for an artist to have. It's like, I'm not going to impose an experience on you. I want to make something that makes you feel what you want to feel. Yeah. It's kind of like the thing with a sitcom or something where you got the laugh track. So they're telling you where to laugh yeah. or something like don't, laugh don't tell gone. the audience of anything how to react to something. I am offended that you, that you, <laughs> that you're telling me to laugh right yeah. there. Like, let me, like, I know I'm, I'll laugh if it was if funny. If the joke's good enough, <laughs> yeah. I'll laugh. Yeah. yeah. And if the song is, makes you feel good enough, you'll bob your head and get something out of it. Exactly. You know? So is there like a, is there a, a, a journey that your guys sound went on on the five albums that you guys, you know, you know, even EPs and, and all that. Yeah. Are there, was there, is there a way that you can kind of, um, that you can kind of quantify that, that, that sonic journey or qualify that sonic journey? I kind of feel like it's literally just a connection of point A to point B of what we've been talking about. Like my early, early intentions of wanting, uh, wanting well I guess early on I feel like I wanted people to see me as a good musician Mm. and like oh wow that's really impressive which isn't a good thing for an artist to do anyway it was just a selfish approach to playing music like you're young I was young I was you know early 20s and like look what I can do which I never I'm not like a Eddie Van Halen type guitar player we mentioned Van Halen earlier but Yeah. yeah I'm not like that impressive or anything i'm okay whatever Mm -hmm. but i think i was like searching and seeking searching for and seeking validation from musicians or something early on and i don't really know why like i was just like i get it just like a you want your peers to think that you're good yeah but like you you shouldn't worry about that shit you you know like but people do i mean especially when you're new at something yeah. You know, you want approval from, from somebody unless yeah. you just don't give, give a damn, Yeah, and you know, which I, is where you hope to get. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like with every year that passes, hopefully we give a little less of a damn, but, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, uh, it just went from that to like learning how, and also just, I guess just wanting to create because I enjoy creating something. Yeah. 
and like doesn't matter what anybody thinks of it. So yeah, that kind of went through that personal journey. I think mm. of it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about this. It's just I enjoy creating music, yeah. and it's not for anyone. And if someone likes it, that's awesome. Yeah. But so I like I think. Umphreys McGee does a really good job. Are you familiar with those guys? I've not listened to that much. Yeah. Um, I've definitely heard songs, but yeah, they're, uh, I had their bass player on the show, Ryan Stasek. Great, great dude. Great human being and a very talented bass player too. But it's uh, a big get. They're a well-known band. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was just one of those friend of a friend things that yeah, happened. Yeah. I was in Charleston and just boldly asked if, you know, my, my buddy who's, uh, who's his brother-in-law, if I could, you know, if he could connect us and, Ryan said, yes, let's do it. <laughs> so it was cool. But I think they do a really good job of like blending the technical with, with the listenable as well. Yeah. Like, um, you know, they're, they, they have a guitar player that is, you know, pound for pound does some of the, you know, the craziest stuff I've ever seen on a fretboard in my I life. I saw them at Bonnery one time. I'm not super up close or anything, but yeah, yeah their musicianship is absolutely impressive. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and they'll have something that's amazingly technical that a musician like yourself or anybody else would be very impressed with mm-hmm. just because of the musicianship. But it somehow also turns into something that is uh, very sweet and, and, and heartfelt and yeah. emotional and like that that's one of the only groups that I've seen that's been able to embody what you're talking about and kind of marry those two things yeah. of like, of like, I want to be technical and respected. And like, I want people to know that I'm good. I'm obviously good, but then also, you know, I can write a melody. I can yeah. sing, I can, you know, write good lyrics. It's also a song and not just like yeah. a bunch of practice. parts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a home run derby. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah exactly. it's a baseball game. Yeah, it's a whole game. It's a it's a seven game series. Yeah. yeah, that's that's cool. So, what about some of the other guys in the band? Like Robbie Robbie Kerr, I know a little bit because mm. I know his brother, and he and I have always been, you know, very you know we've been friendly over the years, just hanging out, saying hey, whatever. But yeah. I, I'm not super familiar with with his you know style too. But you said he came to you guys. As like a, you know, a super fan. It's yeah. almost, you, do you know Run the Jewels? Um, I've listened a little bit, but yeah. So their, their, their DJ, DJ Trackstar, I think is his uh-huh. name, is, uh, it's the same thing. Like he sent them an email. It's like, hey guys, you know, like here's my SoundCloud. Uh, <laughs> just want to let you guys know that. Damn, uh, that's that, awesome. I know. And the next thing you know, he's like the DJ for a pretty prolific Golly, rap yeah. outfit. You know? Yeah, they're huge. Yeah, they are. But that sounds like kind of the same deal with Robbie. <laughs> just kept showing up. On a up, much like, smaller local local well, scale. But, but still, but... you know, the, the trope, the archetype is there. It's like, <laughs> hop on the bus, man. We're, we're going the same place anyway. You're going to the next show anyhow. Hop in the Nissan Sentra. You can ride beside the uh, 412 cabinet. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, we, we had been becoming friends anyway, too, mm-hmm. just like through Jonathan, really. And, yeah, his brother. Yeah, and I was starting to become friends with some of his friends. He was a couple of years younger than you and me. Um, but yeah, kind of becoming friends with them a little bit. And then, um, at one, I guess when I feel like I was in college and he was in high school and their mom, Diane paid me to give him guitar lessons. Ah. And like Robbie, I would kind of, I was trying to teach him stuff about theory and, uh, you know, why things happen in music and, what you can do with it. And 
he wasn't really interested in that, but he would like come up with cool guitar riffs. Oh, that's cool. And it was just like, dang, that's a cool thing. And he was like, we liked a lot of the same bands. So there was a natural style. Uh, I don't know. We, our styles merged because we liked a lot of the same acts and stuff. A lot of the same groups, same inspiration. Yeah. And so he was just kind of learning guitar and then he just got really good at just playing stuff whimsically and off the top of his head and didn't really care why something sounded like this or what a chord was or anything. So he just really, he developed his own style partially out of ignorance because he just didn't really care to learn about the music aspect, but it ended up like creating a really cool, uh, two guitar attack. Cause like I was coming at it from one approach and he was coming at it from a totally different approach, sure. but we had a similar view of how we wanted stuff to sound. Mm. So our styles really blended well. I think you were, you were, uh, two different rivers headed for the same stream <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> leading to the Gulf. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, so that, that was kind of his musical upbringing. Like, like I said, he didn't really care about, theory or like why stuff was supposed to be a certain way and you know music shouldn't be a certain way but yeah. so he was more of an ear guy and you yeah. were more of a, a theory guy yeah and I still primarily am an ear ear player as well yeah. but I just I like the dorky aspects of the theory of it too sure. a little bit yeah. and I'm not like the most you know knowledgeable musician ever or anything but that's what got me into like wanting to do cool time changes or like a cool key change here that you wouldn't expect mm. like little twists are kind of where I apply music theory and uh yeah it playing with Robbie early on and still to this day like we uh you know we haven't played guitar together in quite a while at this point because of yeah. the whole pandemic but yeah it's fun still with his he just has a totally unique style I've never seen anybody play like him because he it's you. It's truly his. Like yeah. He's not modeling it after anything. That's amazing. That's pretty. That's really cool. Pretty cool. You respect that? I do. Yeah. I mean, there's an aspect of it that's like, what could your potential be if you did the homework? Yeah, and but knew also, the, knew the theory would it be? Would it, it wouldn't be your style anymore? Down? Yeah. So like, <laughs> I do respect it. Yeah. I think it's a, it's totally a unique approach and, um. Yeah, he he comes up with some really cool stuff. So, yeah, it, for me, it shouldn't be any other way. Sure. You know? What's the what's the songwriting burden like for the band? Who carries the, who does the heavy lifting? Mainly me, um, but it's because I really want to. Yeah. You know. Well, how's the process go? Um, for us, usually, um. It depends on the song, really. I've had some where it was so clear how it should be, mm-hmm. and I would be a little more hands-on with like, okay, kind of do this, but also there's always room for like variation and stuff, or like if you don't like the way this bass line is sounding, do your own thing. But typically, I try to just come with an idea and then let everybody form their own idea of it to where it's eventually a thing. But sometimes stuff is just so, I don't know, sometimes a song that I'm forming just like needs to be a certain way or something. So it really varies from song to song. And mm. then sometimes Robbie will come 
with a with an idea and be like, hey, can you help me uh, arrange this or something? Yeah. So we um, we do a little bit of that, and then yeah, sometimes it's just oh, I've got these two parts. Let's play this for a little while, and then what should come after this? Yeah. So it really there's not really one method for us. Gotcha. It kind of varies all around. So what comes first, the music or the lyrics, or do they come together, or depends? Typically, lyric. Sorry, typically music, but um, every now and then lyrics will come first. Or they like usually it's not like a whole song's worth of lyrics, mm. but it'll be like a, I've got a chorus melody in my head, and then pretty sure these are going to be the lyrics but i've got to form some music around it sure normally it's the music first though yeah i think i've only done like one this was in one of my solo songs i've put out like two solo albums through the years but so i've, I've only done like one poem that i made into a song mm. it ended up being a really cool song yeah is there it, any improvisation to your guys game do you ever use that as a songwriting tool um not that much but i once i have a song written um, especially after we've recorded something, I like to improvise during a show, just like subtly, like whether it's just a vocal impro- improvisation mm-hmm. or I'll just like do kind of a different guitar part just because I feel like it or something. Yeah. So it's nothing, we don't really do like long form improv or just like this song or there are a couple of songs that end in like somewhat of a solo. I'm not a big guitar solo guy, but there are a couple, there's one newer one that we have that I have a little bit of freedom at the end and then just kind of like we all figure out when to end it, but it's not really our strong suit. Yeah. Yeah. We're more of like a well, craft it seems of like, the song kind yeah. of band. I, it, it seems like with your background and, and taking, you know, at least it seems like you, uh, you kind of defaulted to a, a, a mathematical approach in the beginning anyway yeah, yeah it seems like the structure would it, w- it would lend itself to something that was a little more nailed down for sure and I, I don't think any of us really excel in general at improvising like yeah we just aren't jazz players yeah <laughs> like, and not even with with songwriting you won't try some new, you, you guys will for sure in the early um stages of, of song writing. formation yeah. yeah we we definitely will try different stuff that's cool um and then We've had some songs that we had written for a while, but they hadn't been recorded yet. And then we're just like, the whole second half of that song sucks. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what? And then it was kind of reform something. But yeah. So it happens sometimes well after the fact or just during the initial writing process. Yeah. But well, like, I think everybody should have one of these, even if it, if one of these albums right here that you brought me. Even even if it just decorates their shop like it's going to for me, but how do uh, how do people how can people find your guys' music and listen to it? I mean, you're not playing any shows anytime soon, I assume. Yeah, we are you doing any not. drive-ins or anything? No, we haven't uh, haven't really locked any of those things down. We were going to do like maybe a video shoot, but we just haven't gotten together to rehearse. Yeah. So yeah, until we can get together to rehearse and like get tied again, like. Robbie and I have been sending each other tracks, like mm. just phone recordings of stuff. So you hum a melody into your phone and then uh, I do that all the damn time. Do you? Yeah. I've heard a lot of people do. Yeah. That. I try to get it to like, before I send it to someone, I try to get it a little more refined, but, uh, but yeah, the, you can find the album and all the other tracks we've ever done. Um, there are other CDs available on there too, but for the, vinyl and everything else it's game night music.com okay and it really it just takes you to our Bandcamp page because okay 
we don't because that's a good infrastructure yeah we're not yeah i don't have to try to figure out how to make a website or pay someone to do it and yeah. uh yeah it's got all our info on there and um there's some t-shirts and other things on well there you got available. hell i figure your guys myspace page is still going since you guys have been around for so long <laughs> i would like to see if it is i have no idea but i looked up my old myspace page you... <laughs> the other day it's still there damn yeah i need to i need to look because i haven't thought about that in a long time <laughs> yeah i haven't either <laughs> i remember we we did have like a decent amount of plays on there and i think at one point it reset and we were just like well there's no reason to go on this anymore <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all that hard work yeah down I, the drain that was a pretty good it was a good tool for bands back yeah. in the day like everybody had their music up on there mm. so how else how else were you going to reach it was early the, days of the 20 year old girls and guys, you know? Yeah. It was kind of post Napster, you know, pre Spotify. Yeah. It, it like, was like the, it was when music started to get, get given away and be free. Yeah. There was iTunes and then you could go stream something on someone's MySpace page yeah. and it, without having to buy it to buy it yet, you know? Yeah. But yeah, once Spotify and those came along, there wasn't really a need for that anymore. Yeah. But, yeah, shut down. Yeah. Well, what else? What are we what are we forgetting? What are we leaving out? Man, I don't know. Um I have one thing I want to mention to you. Uh Brian Trainer? Yep. My Uncle Brian. Your Uncle Brian? Yep. I know your Uncle Brian. It's my mom's sister's husband. Gotcha. So yeah. your mom is Pam's sister, yeah. Sister. Okay. My mom Mary is Pam's sister, yeah. Okay, cool. So you may or may not know this story, but uh, your your I guess he would be your cousin Liam. Liam, yeah. He did some art at Bonnaroo, mm-hmm. some like art installations. Did you help with those? I went to I believe it was the one the year before you went. Yeah, I went in 2010. Yeah, I went in 2011. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Liam was a high schooler at the time, right? Yeah, and he was making this badass interactive art, and he was like giving proposals to you know Superfly Entertainment, AC Entertainment. Yeah. For like, hey, let me let me do these art installations at Bonnaroo. And so um, I don't know. Were you guys at a pod the year that you went? Like yeah. Underneath one of the big balloons in, in Gen Pop camping? Yeah, we had a pod. Um, and it was really just a great way to go to Bonnaroo for free. Like, yeah. <laughs> we were there. Did you all go like a few days early? We went on Monday. Yeah, that's what we did as and well. And we left on Monday. Yeah. I spent a week at Bonnaroo. It was such a hot long week. I'm sure yours was too. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the year that I went, Liam and Brian made this like giant guitar that was, how big was it? Uh, it was, it was like a guitar lying on its back an acoustic okay. guitar okay. lying on its back. And the body of it was probably four feet tall, four feet tall. And then, you know, lengthwise 12 feet, okay. maybe like lying down. And it had instruments. They cut out holes and put like real instruments in it. So you could just walk up and start playing an instrument. Oh, wow. So there were a bunch of jam sessions. Yeah. Yeah. It it was hard to keep the instruments in tune because it was Mm. 95 degrees and it was in the middle of the sun too. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was no shade. It was just in that field. Yeah. Uh, But it was really dang cool though. We had a great time. So were you teching teching the art installation, keeping the instruments tuned? For the first day... And then we just went to shows and yeah. got drunk and had fun. <laughs> yeah. But well, my Liam story, didn't get drunk. He was in high school, so he, was, he didn't get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I guess there were, I don't know how many how many passes, guest passes they got or whatever to go, or artist passes to mm-hmm. go. 
uh, the next year, but I went the next year because Liam also was accepted to do uh, an art installation yeah. the next year. And I guess the one that he did with you guys that, uh, that he, that he brought you along for was, um, went over really well because he got like prime time spot right in front of Cineru, uh, pod four, the year that I went, we had a little bit of a walk, but it wasn't too terrible, but it definitely wasn't the prime prime time. Well, location. of all the art installations that were there in the campground in the campsite, which there's a hundred thousand people camping there, yeah. you know, in some cases, in some years there are. Mm -hmm. Um, so of the, you know, 20 art installations they have at those pods throughout, you know, the whole camping area, he got the best spot and so many people interacted with it. And, and what he did this time, you may have seen pictures of it was he made these gigantic kaleidoscopes out of, um, oh, yeah. out of, um, like almost like a stained glass or painted glass and like super trippy designs and, and all that. And so people, you know, come back losing their minds at yeah. two o'clock in the morning <laughs> after a show and they'd sit and, you know, they'd look through these kaleidoscopes and they were, they would oscillate. You could move them around and point them at different light sources. And, you know, they'd have their buddy over there spinning the glass on the end of it. I saw some of the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life helping. And, and we installed the thing in 30 minutes on Monday. And then we just had three days to hang out yeah. at, the, at, at Bonnaroo until everybody got there. But a very meaningful, uh, thing that happened, uh, uh, that weekend, uh, aside from, from me and Sarah, uh, coming, coming back together after being apart for a while and, and getting to hang out and having a good weekend. And we've yeah. been together ever since that weekend, by the way, Dang. but we were split up, but like a year before that. But, but, uh, another very meaningful thing that, that happened that weekend is we came back from, uh, the shows on Friday night. Uh, well, three o'clock in the morning, you know, yeah. and, and, and we were probably in about as good of the shape as the kids who were geeking out at the, you know, at, at, the, <laughs> at the kaleidoscopes. But uh, because we were at one of those pods, the art, the art installations were under those pods. Um, there was a, a medic tent at, at the pod and the and the um, and medic lost and found. It was just kind of the help area, sure. you know, and we yeah. were right next right, right next to it. So if you needed something, if you needed help, you went to these giant balloons under the pods, you know. Well, when we got back, it was, you know, three o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning at this point, And, uh, there was this little puppy at the, at lost and found. She was tiny. She couldn't have been eight weeks old. And, uh, we were like, that's the cutest damn dog I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And so we started playing with it and talking to it and we're hanging out and the EMTs were like, I don't know what to do with this dog. Like somebody just dropped it off. It got, it was the story was there was a, a group of 18 year old kids, first time Bonnaroo kids, you know, ready to roll. They got there Friday. <laughs> they were pumped. They made friends with their gypsy hippie neighbors who were there in the RV or whatever. And uh, their their gypsy hippie neighbors, after the kids went to the show, their, their new friends that they had just made stole everything out of all their tents and their cars. And they left this dog in one of the tents. Oh my and God. so these kids come back at like midnight on Friday night and all their stuff's gone. And there's this puppy in their tent. And so these kids are super distraught. They're freaking out. They hate their lives. They've lost all their stuff. They're ready to go home. So they take this dog to lost and found under pod four. And you know, the EMTs are like, well, I guess we'll just call animal control. And we're like, well, hold on. This is the cutest damn dog ever. Let's just see if anybody claims it. We'll take care of it for, you know, 
the next couple days. You can give it to me. We'll take care of it for the next couple days. If and we'll you know we'll we'll do that animal control thing on Sunday, you know if 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 we have to or whatever. Uh, well, Bonnie is nine years old and she lives at my house still. So Brian, Bonnie, Bonnie is her, Bonnie is her name. And, uh, we ended up keeping her and we just, she was, she was there all weekend. She just hung out. Everybody, she was, we would go to the shows and she would just hang out at the campsite and everybody knew her and it was like, nah, somebody's taking care of her. He's going to get her when he gets back. And I, and, uh, Brian, you know, your uncle owns, owns river dog bakery. Yeah. And so he's like. He's like a dog nutritionist. He knows everything. So we kept that dog alive on bananas and sweet potatoes for, for three days. And then, uh, and then she, she came home, she came home with us and she's been, she's been my dog ever since. Man. I, All because you couldn't go to Bonnaroo that yeah, year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't even remember why I couldn't, but worked out well, I guess, you know. Well, and, it worked out well for Bonnie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about me. <laughs> We also, you know, reconnected with Sarah too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. it, you know, magical week. I mean, yeah. I've got two kids and a dog in that house that I pretty much have you to thank for. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and a wife. Sorry. <laughs> That's so funny. After, um, after you all got back. Yeah. Um, I can't remember when the next time I saw Uncle Brian was, but he was like, "Hey, uh, ben, Benny Fields. He, he's the coolest guy ever, man. <laughs> he's just raving about you." And uh, I was like, "I know. Yeah." Like, I know him kind of well, but he's great. Yeah, it's awesome. And he, yeah, he told me some stories, but I forgot the dog story. Yeah. I totally forgot about Bonnie. Yeah, that's, that's Bonnie. Yeah, well, Brian was doing catering and craft services for our film shoots, and Craven, his uh-huh. his daughter, was uh, was helping him out on some shoots. And we yeah. just got to talking, and he was telling me about about um, about Liam's art at Bonnaroo. And I was like, I love I think I was probably wearing a Bonnaroo shirt to set one day, and he was yeah, talking yeah. about it. And then he, uh, and then he said, um, yeah, we're going again this year. And, um, I, I don't know if, if Josh is going to go. And he asked me if I knew you, I was like, yes, of course I know Josh. I love him. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, well, he doesn't know if he's going to be able to go with us this year. Um, and I, and I just like off the, off the cuff said, Hey, if he can't go, I'd be happy to go with you a free weekend at Bonnaroo. It's one of my favorite places ever, you know, yeah. I'd, I'd love to go. And, and so he you know, somewhat called my bluff and we went, we had, I mean, it was, it was, you know, it was a, your uncle Brian, who I've, I had worked with a half a dozen times mm-hmm. and his daughter who I'd, you know, worked with a half a dozen times. And now like we bonded so much over that weekend and over like my dog and, <laughs> and, and, and it's like, I consider them close friends now. Yeah. It's so cool. Do you ever see me. Brian out at shoots nowadays? I guess not a little right bit. now. We've, yeah, we've we he's always my first call with yeah. with catering just because we know he's going to take care of us. We know mm-hmm. it's going to be good. We know he's going to be there on time with coffee every time oh, yeah. and take care of us breakfast, lunch and dinner <laughs> comes to it. And uh he always he asks about Sarah first and then he asks about Bonnie and then Eloise and then Lena. I mean he he asks about <laughs> he asks about all the girls in order by name. Yeah. And it's it's man, he's a great dude. He's he's a great dude. You're lucky to have such a good family. Yeah, and Pam is a great aunt. Man, man. what an awesome human she is. Not a is great too. aunt, but a fantastic aunt. Fantastic. Aunt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she man, she's great. So yeah. is yeah. We are lucky to have them for yeah. sure. Well, did we hit did we hit everything? We're gonna walk out in that driveway and be like, oh, we should have said <laughs> Man, I yeah, I didn't really after hearing some of the other episodes, I was like there's not a lot of interesting stuff that's oh, gonna come, come out on, of here. Dude. But uh yeah. yeah, just 
thanks to anybody who listened. Check yeah. out the music, I reckon, if you want yeah. to. But Game Night Music. GameNightMusic.com. Dude, I'm yeah. gonna go listen to some tonight. Heck yeah, man! While I while I mix this episode. <laughs> <laughs> now Sam will mix it, but I'll I'll at least listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, thanks again so much for Thank being here. For I really me, appreciate. It. I'm glad we made it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thanks a lot, dude. See you soon. Right. Thanks for listening, guys. Do you like the story about Bonnie, my dog? Come meet her. She's the best. Keep on supporting this little old show at patreon.com slash south of scruffy. There's three ways there that you can support us. Go check it out. We'll send you some cool stuff and get you involved with the Patreon world, that community. Thanks for listening. I love you guys. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen. Matt Honkinen, play me.